This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome to the College Financial Aid and Career Navigation Podcast. Tom and Maria Geffers of Career and College Counselors, along with nationally recognized college financial aid expert Seth Green, teach two things. How to cut the cost of college tuition an average of $19,077 per child per year, and how to land your dream job after you graduate by choosing the right career and major. To get access to more information on how you can make the right choice, simply register at www.careercollegecounselors.com connect. To find out how to save an average of $19,077 per year per child on college tuition, go to www.howtofindmoneyforcollege.com. On the podcast, Tom, Maria, and Seth bring together leading experts in their fields who have experience in the college admission and career application process. They share their secrets so you can do it too. And now, here's your hosts, Tom, Maria, and Seth. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another uh, great podcast. My name is Maria Geffers. And I'm Tom Geffers. And we're from Career and College Counselors. And today we are speaking to Dr. Pamela Ellis, uh, who is an expert in college, uh, the college journey, and her company's name is Compass College Advisors. And uh, we're going to have a couple of questions and have a, a discussion here on the journey that parents and teachers, uh, students take. And uh, we'll get started with right we, we always start off with uh, who you are and what you do and uh, your journey which is so important this is where you uh started from and where you are aiming to go to and the aha moment that you said this is where i am meant to be so thank you so much dr pamela we appreciate it and it's all yours now Oh, sure. Thank you, Tom and Maria. This is great. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and learn more about what you're doing as well. So my journey actually started with, um, after college, I went to business school and started working in banking. And as you may have guessed from starting out that way, it was all about, you know, I need to start working and I'm going to do what's most expedient. And that's what it was to go into the corporate world. But after that, I actually had became a mom. And when I became a mom, I just became obsessed with schooling. How do I help my kids? figure out um, their journey through the K-12 system, especially having sons first. Um, that was a real concern for me. And from there, that's really what um, drove me to go back and get my doctorate degree in education. And ever since then, I've been doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> and I, I think that that's... Um, the aha moment for me really was just, you know, when I get up on, you know, when I get up in the mornings, I'm not thinking that I'm going to work today. Nothing about what I do feels like work. 
And on Sunday evening, I don't have those butterflies I used to have when I was working in corporate where yeah. you just feel like, oh, I got to go to work tomorrow. You know, I mean, maybe you remember that feeling Absolutely. at some point. And it's, it's just it's not having that feeling anymore. Yeah. And there are students that I work with year over year. And, you know, there is, you know, something in their stories that's touching and, you know, just the, even in the experiences in the last year to be part of that and to walk, you know, side by side with students as they were just dealing with being uh, taking away from their homeschools and being at home and away from friends and just what that felt like for them. And so to be able to participate in that and to, you know, have them ask me questions and talk to me sometimes about things that they may not talk with their parents about um, has been certainly those special moments. All right. Yeah. Well, it's uh, funny that you mentioned you started out in business and banking. Mm -hmm. we, we find that so often with the people that we speak to, they started out in business and eventually they found their passion of ending up either as a counselor in a, in a college or independent or in the admissions office. So it's a, it's a common, uh, common journey that uh, people in, in, in this business seem to have. Okay, and that's all that yes. well. So um, mm -hmm. I want to get, get into the, the book you wrote a few years back. And the book is called What to yeah. Know Before They Go. Nice title. Yeah. And uh, one of your mm -hmm. early chapters, you, you talk about the idea of getting your mindset uh, right. And you talk about fitting in academically, socially, financially, mm -hmm. and, and vocationally. And when we talk to people, you know, that's, that comes up as well. So I wanted to get your thoughts as to why that is so important, the mindset. Oh, my goodness. Um, mindset is just everything in terms of, you know, how it'll play a role in what you do next, whether it's what you do the next day, as far as, um, you know, how you nurture your body, you know, physically. And I'll give you an example of this in terms of really thinking about mindset is uh, right now I've been training for a marathon and there are so many mornings Tom when it's just like you know something <laughs> I do not want to get up and do this and the thing that I you know have to look forward to is a long run oftentimes in the dark by myself but the mindset of I can do this I can complete this is what makes makes it possible for me to get up and do that. And when we think about, you know, college readiness or, you know, as students are navigating high school, you know, I think of that as a marathon mm -hmm. as well, you know, because it's not, you know, something where you just kind of, you know, wake up and just say, hey, I'm going to college kind of thing. And it happens the next day. Mm -hmm. There are other things you do to prepare. And so it's just, you know, the mindset is what makes that possible. And really knowing that, yes, I can do this, or yes, I can take that class and I'm going to be successful in that class. You know, that's all mindset in so many ways, especially if you haven't done it before. 
Right. You know, uh, when, yeah, when I was growing up, I was never picked to be on a, anyone's team. I wasn't even <laughs> athletic, you know? And so, you know, I'm over 50 and to be called an athlete, it's like, really? You know, that's not even something I never even dreamed about. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's all mindset mm-hmm. in terms of being able to get through it. Right. My daughter um, uses that term marathon as well. She, mm-hmm. when she was teaching, uh, she teaches graduate courses and she always says to the, her students, you are running a marathon. You know, yeah. it is a long distance, one step at a time and just keep focused. And yeah. I think that is such a, a great word to use. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when they're in graduate school, they've already completed the hurdles of high school and college. But when you're in high school, that is to you a marathon. Yes. You know, you, mm-hmm. you just every day mundane stuff, mm-hmm. minutia right. gets in the way. So you have to be able to get through those, uh, those mundane things and realize it is a marathon. And I love that word. Yeah. That's a great word to say. And what you're speaking to, Maria, as well, is that it's relative, you know, in terms of what your marathon looks like. Um, Because, you know, starting out, just being able to finish a 5K was a marathon for me. (laughs) It's just like, that seemed really far. Right, right. So, yeah. And, you know, for the high school journey, it's the same way. And, you know, a lot of times students want to get ahead and sometimes parents want to get ahead. And what I mean by getting ahead in this uh, sense is when they want to do things too soon. Right. And so like um, this, I was talking with this student, she's a ninth grader and she was saying that, you know, I talked to her about setting goals for ninth grade. She sent me an email back and said she was going to set a goal, three goals per month. And I thought... (laughs) No, no, you, no, just three goals for the year. Cause I want it to be something right. that you're, you can accomplish and right. not feel overwhelmed by. Right. Right. And so, you know, trying to get ahead in that way right. to me is, you know, self-defeating. So it's just like, you know, you can move a step at a time. You know, right. it's the same way with visiting colleges. It's like, no, you don't have to go and visit every college in eighth grade visit them in junior year, you know, after you're a little bit closer and you kind of get a sense for what you want. And I think parents and both students forget how Mm -hmm. uh, children, because they're still children in high school, they develop emotionally and physically and, uh, you know, who they are in ninth grade Mm -hmm. is not who they are when they graduate. It's not, it's not. And even the senior in, um, September of senior year, they are different when it comes to just, you know, what they are thinking and wanting to do that spring. And that's why, you know, I talk to them about, you know, keeping their options open, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes, you know, students will say, no, I really do just want to apply early decision because they want to get it over with. Right. <laughs> but right. it's just like, you know, you may feel a whole lot different. Uh, in the springtime, mm-hmm. after you have gone through some more experiences in this senior year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're yeah. absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're on the East Coast, of course, in Pennsylvania, and you're on the West Coast, and your background is in uh, some great schools out there, including Stanford. 
and I know the West Coast has a little bit different uh, uh, outlook and, and things that they talk about for college-bound uh, students. And some of the experts that we talk to, uh, we talk about the summer programs, and you speak about that in your book as well. Oh yeah. And, uh, you want to get your your opinion as to uh, do they do they work? Are they good? And what is the best type of summer program to get involved with? Yeah, I say yes, they work, and yes, they are good. Um, there are there's a whole host of summer programs that are out there. And, you know, I had a student a few years ago, he was like, you know, I want to be an engineer. And, you know, a lot of students say that because they think it sounds glamorous. Mm -hmm. It means they're really smart yep. and they have no idea what an engineer does. Right. <laughs> well, you know something? <laughs> he attended an engineering program and it was a wonderful program offered at University of Rochester. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like their program because it offers an opportunity to participate in two different areas of interest. And they're mostly pre-professional um, courses that you're taking. He attended that engineering program. And let me tell you, <laughs> when he, at the end of the summer, he was like, Dr. Bamla, I do not want to be an engineer. And you know something? That was great to right. know then. Absolutely. And that's what I think is the beauty of these summer programs. It's the same way when you go a distance, you know, like I've had students, you know, they are so excited about leaving home and going away to the sunny beaches of California, <laughs> you know, from Ohio. And mm -hmm. they have participated, one of my young women, she participated in a program in California. And she just like, you know, that flight was so long. The flight was so long right. and that shifted, you know, her list right. in terms right. of what she was interested in right. and how far away she wanted to venture from home. Because I find too that, you know, what students are thinking about in ninth grade, you know, they're thinking I'm going to go as far away from home as possible, closer to senior year. It's like, you know, they're reining it in a little mm -hmm. bit closer, same for parents, you know? Mm -hmm. right. And so um, there are just so many wonderful summer programs. Another one, you know, in addition to the University of Rochester, Smith College has a really great program for girls. Um, one of my students participated in uh, a women's health um, program in the summer, and that was great. And, you know, the thing about it is that the programs, you know, even when they went virtual, um, like one of them is Du Bois Scholars, which is hosted at Princeton University. Um, they went virtual last year in the summer of 2020, and it was still an amazing program. Mm -hmm. You know, the mm -hmm. surveys and everything uh, that came back from students and faculty. And so I, you know, have been encouraging students to really explore and the other thing I'll say, because, you know, I mean, you really touched on something when you mentioned summer programs. I, I mean, I just think they're wonderful. But uh, the other thing about it that I think is so great, Tom, is that they're like a, a mini trial balloon for the college application process. Right. Because many of these programs, you know, they are competitive programs and students have to submit a teacher recommendation. They have to submit test scores sometimes, or they submit uh, an essay. Mm -hmm. And that gives them an opportunity to try it out, you know, 
on a low stakes basis, because if they don't get into the summer program, that's fine. And they get a sense also for how teachers learn how to write for them, especially mm -hmm. in junior year. So when I'm working with students in junior year, uh, I almost do everything but insist and make them do it <laughs> is yeah. to I really do encourage them to apply to at least one or two summer programs to go mm -hmm. through that process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's uh, good to know because, you mm -hmm. know, everybody has different opinions on right. those. Right. And you have to make sure you're in the right one, like right. you said, yeah. and you're signing up for something to make it look good on the application. Right. Um, the other hot topic I want to get your opinion on is the SATs and ACT tests. Again, mm -hmm. in the West, a lot of the colleges are test optional. optional. Mm -hmm. And then down South, I've read that a lot of schools are still requiring the SAT. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, depending on where you live and what school you want to go to. So right. what are you telling your students who want to go to a selective, uh, more selective school? Um, still take it and take only one or the other. Um, I mean, I think one of the biggest uh, myths is that you need to take both. <laughs> and there's still a lot of students that believe that, uh, that you do need to take both the ACT and the SAT. And so what I advise students and I, you know, have them do a, uh, a practice full length SAT and a practice full length ACT so they can see which one is their better test. Mm -hmm. And, you know, based on that, I encourage them to take it um, mm -hmm. because there's still a lot of students out there who are able to take it. Mm -hmm. And so they're, if they have a good score, they're sending it in. And one thing about the colleges is once they see a score, they can't unsee it. <laughs> and, and, you know, and if you're one of the students who didn't send in a score right, and right. perhaps your high school isn't very well known in terms of the secondary school report, all those kinds of things, then you may be at a little bit of a disadvantage. Right, right. You always want to make sure you're, you're at the best, you're seen at the best way in your best light. You know, I, we agree with that totally. Yeah, that's the... Uh... Yeah. That's what we tell our students and parents as well. Mm -hmm. Take one test and the one you do the best in, you know, practice it and, and take that as the one you're going to be sending in, hopefully. Right. And, right. and don't stress out over it because uh, right. if it's not a good score, you don't use it. But if you do have a good score, you got something to brag about. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And the key thing, too, is I don't want them um, stressing about it to the point that they're taking it three and four times. It's like, you know something? You've taken this twice. <laughs> and that right. I would prefer right. if they, you know, finish taking it in junior year. Because right. any senior that's retaking tests is going to be super stressed out, right. you know. Right. And right. it mm -hmm. interferes with really writing strong essays and uh, making sure your teacher recommendations are in and all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I really want them to be sensible around mm -hmm. it in wow. terms of the test taking. Absolutely. You, and you want to, you want the students to enjoy their senior year. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's yes. the best year that you can think of, you yes. know, and you, you yeah, want yeah, to make yeah. sure everything is done, as you said, prepared, yeah. uh, you know, right. and so you can relax and have, enjoy that last part of your high school journey. 
Yeah, I want students to enjoy their high school experience and I want parents to enjoy it too, you know, <laughs> so that, yeah, exactly. I yes. mean, it's their last year at home in right. a sense. You don't want to be bickering and fighting about whatever and <laughs> arguing right. over whether or not they, you know, should write about what they're writing about or something right. like that. No, really, you want to enjoy it. Um, I had a student uh, just last week reach out to me about changing her uh, appointment time because she wanted to attend homecoming. I'm like, what? Yes, <laughs> we're going to change that appointment. Right. You know, no way do I want you to miss homecoming festivities, right. you know? Right. And so I, you know, recognize that, you know, your meetings with me are important, but I still want you to enjoy senior right. year. And Absolutely. so we're going to make, you know, adjustments in my schedule to make sure you can, we can still meet. Yeah. Well, well, that leads me to uh, <laughs> another question uh, about yes. parents. You know, we have Zoom meetings with parents and students together, and sometimes the kids don't say two words, you know, and, and yeah. the parents take over the meeting, and, and we try to get a feeling as to, well, what do you think, you know, Joe or Sally, yes. you know, and try to drag some uh, opinions yeah. out of them so we know which way to go. So, mm -hmm. you know, how do you handle parent uh, and student relationships? And, you know, they used to call them helicopter parents. I don't know if they still use that yeah. term, but some yeah. parents just take over. How, how do you deal with, uh, you know, working with both? Yeah, you know something, that's interesting you would meet, mention that because I had a similar meeting like that the other day. And um, what I was doing was I have this assessment, um, just a comprehensive assessment. It's 90 minutes where I'm meeting with the family together. And it was with a student who's a senior. And don't you know, we're meeting and his mom is just feverishly taking notes and talking. <laughs> and I was like, listen, I was just like, you know, from the videos that you've seen, because I have every family that meets with me watch this video prior to our meeting. That's their homework before we even have a conversation. Right. And I talk about the student owning the process. Mm -hmm. And yep. so I mentioned to this young man, I was like, listen, you know, you already have seen my video and you know that you own this process. So your mom shouldn't be the one that's taking all the notes. And so when are you going to take notes? But you know, the other thing about it, I watched their interactions over the 90 minutes we were together. And I can tell you this, um, for any additional work, we will not be working together because mm -hmm. that's not a good fit for me. I work with students separately and we have family meetings as well as part of the program. Right. And it's important that the student owns the process. And I just know that if I were to work with this young man on essays, that would not be a good fit. And so um, that told me everything I needed to know about whether or not we would move forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, that's that, you know, when parents are doing it for their kids, and I say it with a lot of love, when they are doing it for them, they are hurting their chances more so than anything else. Right. Right. And it also robs that child of their confidence and sense of independence. Mm -hmm. And right. so that's, yeah. that can be pretty damaging in the process. Right. And so, yeah. 
that's, you know, I, that's the way I present it to them. I talk about the student owning the process. Right. And right. if that's something that they're not in agreement with, uh, then we're not a fit to work together. Right. And I'm yeah. happy to refer them to another wonderful family, you know, consultant that right. would work with their family. Right. right. It has to be a good fit for everybody. And, um, yeah. and that, that comes, you know, uh, with experience as well. You know, that you are, you know, we've been in the education process, we've been in the business for a while. You you know, you can read people and know when a child is being stomped on, if you will, uh, that isn't allowed to bloom. And that child will be at a disadvantage when they go to college, unless they bring mama with them, you know. Yes, exactly. It's not going to work. They're going to be home before you know it. Right. Um, We're going to change the subject again. And Mm -hmm. one of your research... uh, areas was on Mm -hmm. African-American males in education. And that seems to be, since you said you had sons, this Mm -hmm. was very important to you. So, um, and I know this is a huge topic that you could spend Mm -hmm. probably two hours on, but we only have about 10 minutes left. (laughs) Uh, So it's going to be very condensed. We need the cliff notes. Yeah, we need the cliff notes. (laughs) What were your findings on this this very important topic? And what are some of the roadblocks that you see that Mm African-American males are facing for uh, going into college Mm -hmm. and then graduating? Because that's really, they have to finish, as you said, that marathon. Yeah. They need to finish that marathon. So... Mm -hmm kind of unpack as quickly as you can as I said it's a huge topic but uh if you wouldn't mind Mm -hmm. it is a huge topic and um I'm just trying to think about a crisp way to respond um that you know really just speaks to the tip of the iceberg but um I would say that you know one of the key findings is just that in terms of there are a number of initiatives that support students with getting to college, but not enough that supporting Black males with finishing college. And so that was a key finding from the work um, that I've done over the years. And in many cases, you know, there are, you know, only, you know, a few you know, institutions that do that well in terms of graduating uh, African-American males from college. Uh, I will highlight one of them, which is the Ohio State University, which has had a program for a number of years. um, And I'm hopeful that they still have this in place even now, where they were working uh, with African-American males to support them throughout their college journey to make sure that they were indeed increasing their completion rates. And I think that over the years now that there's more attention on completion, that Mm -hmm. that's certainly helping because, you know, colleges are no longer getting funding in the same way from an enrollment standpoint, Mm -hmm. but from a completion standpoint. Um, you know, some of the key issues um, that I see, and particularly because a lot of times, you know, the African-American males that I'm working with are in high schools where, you know, it's uh, a predominantly white uh, high school. And so they are often, um, 
you know, seen as, you know, not as smart. Uh, there are lower teacher expectations that plays a role in terms of them really excelling in a way that we know they can. And so it's, you know, offering that, you know, supportive community, supportive environment, you know, where it's teachers, it's parents, it's, you know, the larger, you know, community that's really uh, supporting their efforts to be successful and no, you know, single entity, you know, on its own, you know, having mentors, you know, makes a huge difference as well. And sometimes when they're in a setting that where they are in definitely in the minority, you know, where there's only like maybe, you know, six to 8%, you know, African-American students in that school, you know, having mentors, if they're not at the school in the community, mm -hmm. you know, makes a difference in terms of their success and being able to, you know, see others that look like them and also, um, having others who understand their journey and other males that they can talk to mm -hmm. uh, to support them as they are navigating their high school experience. I so, have one more question yeah. before Tom, you know, mm -hmm. pulls sure. us out. With all that information, do you recommend African-American males and females go to historically Black colleges or are you more looking at what you're telling me, it's important for them to have the community, uh, you know, that whole community behind them. Is it easier for them, better for them to go to, a, a, you know, the historically black colleges or yeah. go to the other colleges that are out there where they might be yeah. a minority? That's going to vary by student. And I have, you know, certainly in the last year, uh, almost all of my African-American students have had an HBCU okay. uh, on their college list and more so than we've seen prior to everything that happened in 2020. And so I think that there are some wonderful HBCUs and students are nurtured there in a way that they would never be nurtured in what would considered to be a PWI, a predominantly white institution. And so we're not, uh, African-Americans aren't monolithic in any way. And right. so for some students, you know, it's going to be definitely an HBCU that would be a better fit for them. For others, it's other institutions that would be a great fit for them. And so we come in all walks uh, and shades and interests and experiences. And so the college list really, you know, evolves from the student. The student is the center of that. And then from there, you know, based on, you know, all of those factors that we talked about and another factor that I didn't talk about in the book that I've added um, is cultural fit. You know, it was something that, yes, you know, it was part of the work I was doing, but I, in this past year, I've had to really call that out as that fifth factor of fit, which is cultural. Mm -hmm. And that cultural fit can be at an HBCU. It could also be at a PWI in terms of what's a good fit culturally for students. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, before we close, yes. um, I want to thank you uh, so much for visiting yes. with us and giving us all this mm -hmm. great information that you have. Yes. And uh, I think we might have to revisit with you 
to, to yeah. expand on some of these things because a half an hour is just not enough to talk about these things that are so important to you and important mm -hmm. to other people you know, around yes. the country. So uh, if someone wants to uh, get in touch with you, what is the best way mm -hmm. for them to do that? Yes, uh, my website is compasscollegeadvisory.com and um, they can also reach me at drpamela at compasscollegeadvisory.com. And so um, I look forward um, to connecting with them and certainly on LinkedIn as well. LinkedIn mm -hmm. is a great place to get connected. And so I'm there and on, on Facebook and Instagram as the education doctor. Great, great. Yeah. Well, it has been a pleasure, and I told you I was yes. going to pick your brain. So uh, Tom <laughs> and I are going to have to revisit you to I pick think again. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and you. use your research and your experience. Yes. You know, it has been delightful. Thank you yes. so much, Dr. Pamela. And thank I want to you. thank all of our listeners uh, for joining us again. Mm -hmm. And uh, Please reach out to Dr. Pamela. She is there for you. As you can see, she's warm and has a lot of knowledge. So uh, thank you all for tuning in again. And I'm Maria Geffers. And I'm Tom Geffers. And we hope to see you again. Bye-bye. Thank you.